This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Has voted to approve those changes to the public comment procedure, fundamentally restructuring exactly who can speak and when they can speak at public board meetings. A lot of people were upset with the board and wanted them to table the policy vote, saying it seems like they had a lot more to figure out. Now, that's just uh, one of the things that has the much maligned Columbia Public School District that's been in the news as one of the things that they did last year. I want to bring in Attorney General uh, Andrew Bailey, who, by the way, uh, went to school in the Columbia Public School Districts. Which school did you go to, Mr. Bailey? Well, I went to Fairview Elementary, West Junior High, and then Rockbridge High School. Well, you would have been incredibly disappointed if you had went to the candidate forum last night that I went to for school board members. Small room, Grand Cru restaurant in Columbia. More than probably 70 by the time I left. 70 people packed into this. This was a school board candidate forum. And Chris Horn, who currently sits on the board, I was disgusted by his lies. For example, talking about the money that was taxpayer money that was laid out for information regarding the 1619 project. He says... That was a great example of transparency. That is so untrue. That is not true at all. Parents found out about this. I think one of them, there's a couple of news outlets. Uh, their headlines are going with the kind of the, the transgender angle. Uh, my take, the biggest takeaway was lack of transparency by members of the, basically the administration of the uh, of the Columbia Public School District lack of uh, lack of communication no accountability no accountability to the truth it was just incredibly alarming what we saw and I will give there's a uh, uh Another candidate. So Chuck Basie, former state rep, John Potter, uh, would be the two people yes. that I would vote for because all most of those votes seven nothing, six one, seven nothing, gonna have some change. And I got the sense um, people are saying, yeah, there's some changes evidenced by probably seventy people that were there uh, last night. But I got to tell you this, Attorney General. Uh, the question that was asked of me last night, and I told, uh, stood up in front of about 70 people last night to say, you were going to be here because we know what happened last month with this diversity breakfast and the drag show and people like City Councilwoman Andrea Wayner pulling out dollar bills and tipping people asking me last night, what's happening as it relates to the Attorney General's office in the Columbia Public School District? Any, any progress since we last spoke regarding this issue? Well, look, first of all, let me say, I would be interested to know how many candidates for school board are willing to take a pledge that, that they believe that drag shows have no place in curriculum for school kids. That's got to be the paramount issue in that election. And I want to know who's focused on that. Are these individuals talking more about, you know, left wing woke curriculum? Are they talking about things like giving parents access to educational materials before they're, they're given to the kids and protecting kids from age inappropriate materials like sexual performances like drag shows? And so that's got to be a question that's posed to these individuals. And if they're not willing to answer, some the voters need to hold those individuals accountable. Because, again, this was shameful behavior. And what we've done is we've empowered uh, parents to take a stand on this issue, this issue, you can go to our website at the Missouri Attorney General's office and download a resolution that you can then take to your school board meetings. And I encourage parents to do that. They need to be involved in their kids' education. Download the resolution, take it to your school board meeting, and ask your school board to adopt this model resolution promising that you won't expose kids to drag shows. It's that simple. Drag shows aren't part of the human sexuality curriculum authorized under the statute. 
And let's make sure that the school boards are following state law on this issue and not exposing kids to drag shows. And Columbia Public Schools should be doing the same thing. The other night when you and I were chatting, by the way, our attorney, our attorney general, Andrew Bailey, joining us this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I'm Brandon Rathard, Stephanie Bell, Brian Houseworth, John Marsh, um, uh, producer Hannah. I'm wondering what else, because you and I, uh, I joked the other night during the Cole County Lincoln days. I, I said, uh, uh, Mr. Bailey, like, this is how bad it is for the poor parents and kids in the Columbia Public School District. Like, can you send the National Guard? I mean, really, and I don't think I'm exaggerating. <laughs> I mean, it is that bad. But I guess kind of my question is, legally, what else with all, all of the problems for all of these kids and all of these parents and taxpayers, like, what else are you going to be able to do with the school district as a whole in in your office as the attorney general? Well, first of all, like I said, we have uh, empowered parents. They've got model resolution on our website they can download and take to the school districts. But secondly, you know, the Parents' Bill of Rights is moving through the General Assembly. I think that's a, a good step towards empowering parents to be involved in the kids' educational process. And then we're working with the General Assembly to look at where other legal loopholes might exist. At the end of the day, statutes don't mean anything if no one can enforce them. So if the police can't investigate and arrest somebody, if somebody can't sue, or if the state can't move in and use the law to, to, to make people uh, conform their behavior within the confines of the law, then it doesn't mean anything. This word's on a page, and it undermines the rule of law. There has to be an enforcement mechanism. So where within our educational, our, the code governing our educational system, do loopholes exist? And we're working with the General Assembly to, to identify and help close those. But, you know, the General Assembly is doing great work on this issue, and I anticipate folks will be pleased with the product. And if we've learned anything from places like Loudoun County, Virginia, it's that when parents get involved in kids' education, real change happens. And that's what this is about for us. General Bailey, we appreciate joining us. To Brandon's point, there's going to be another candidate forum, by the way, on March 20th at uh, University of Missouri. Mike Murphy of Como Buzz will moderate that. I don't know how many, if if uh, all of them or if some of them will show up, but I do know that that is being organized right now. So that's being organized. The time, I believe, is 630 that evening. To, to, uh, to your point about the breakfast, you wrote a letter to Dr. Yearwood and you referred to the drag queen performance is shameful and deplorable saying that all options should be on the table so my question to you is this number one have you heard back from cps and while i have you here is there anything new on the mexico hospital your investigation with that too yeah on the first of all let me address the second point first on the mexico and fulton hospital issue investigations ongoing so I'm somewhat limited in, in uh, how far I can go on that issue, but I'll tell you, we, we're not finished with that. Investigation's ongoing, and, and we anticipate some forward progress on that at some point, and, and we'll be happy to discuss that more in detail uh, at a later date. But on, on uh, Columbia Public Schools, let me say this. You know, we uh, the, the, the event happened, on a, I think, on a Thursday. By Friday, we were made aware of the uh, diversity program that included the drag show with 10-year-olds, 11, 12-year-olds at the drag show. And so that's when we became involved in the situation. And, and obviously, we uh, registered our complaint in the form of written correspondence to the school board and asked them to, and the school superintendent, and asked them to retain documents related to the incident so we could continue to look into it and weigh our legal options. And uh, it was shortly after that that the uh, 
school superintendent wrote his letter back to, and he wrote it to the governor, but he, he mentioned the attorney general as well and said, look, we didn't know that the drag show was part of the diversity breakfast, but even if we had nothing to see here, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The drag show is not adult themed or sexual, so it's okay. Well, both of those things can't be true. Why did he need to know about it? Why would it matter if he knew about it if there was nothing wrong with it? But he went on record in that, that correspondence saying, it's okay, drag shows are okay as long as they're G-rated. So parents of Columbia Public School children, are you okay with your school superintendent exposing school-aged children to drag shows regardless of the rating? That's the question that has to be posed to these school board candidates, these school district candidates, because I'll tell you, the drag show is inherently sexual. The whole point of it is to emphasize sexual characteristics. There's no such thing as a G-rated drag show. And so this whole line of argument is absurd. And if you notice, it was after we called for his resignation or termination and the resignation or termination of anyone that knew or should have known about the shameful behavior that then he came back and offered this kind of half-hearted apology like, oh, well, you know, we got to do a better job of understanding what our kids are being exposed to. And we, we got to do a better job of communicating. Well, garbage. That should have been the first letter. But the, the problem is he went on record in the first instance and said nothing wrong with the drag show with school kids. So that's the problem, and that's the issue that has to be posed to the parents of Columbia. Where are you on that issue? Are you okay with school-age kids being exposed to drag shows? And if not, download the resolution from our website, go to your school board meeting, and empower yourselves to take control of your kids' educational system. My biggest surprise from last night is Dr. Brian Yearwood. His name was not the name that came up the most. It was the JAWS. It was the mouthpiece for the Columbia Public School District. And it came up from one of the school board candidates who's involved with the school, openly critical of the PR person for the Columbia Public School District. I wanted to give her a high five. Our guest this morning is a Columbia Public School uh, alum, Andrew Bailey, joining us this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. General, where do you come down on the whole debate we're seeing at the Capitol now over school choice and vouchers for parents who... Who have said, we've heard a lot of them, especially in more liberal districts, say, I'd like to take my kid out of the public schools and put them in the private system, but I can't afford it. Yeah, look, I mean, these are difficult issues that parents grapple with every day. Look at how the, your school, the quality of your school district drives your real estate value and how the real estate value drives the, the, the whole economy of a region. I mean, these are important issues. There's a lot of interconnectivity with uh, municipal government and, 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 and with uh, you know population trends and movement. And so th- these are tough issues. Parents grapple with these every day. School administrators grapple with these every day. And now the General Assembly is getting involved. I think that it's high time to have the conversation and to find change. I am committed to finding ways to always be getting better. And that's true for the Missouri Attorney General's office. That should be true in law. And that should be true in all of state government, state and local government. So yeah, I mean, look, it is high time to have those kinds of conversations and to find ways to get better. And and we've got to empower parents to have control over where and how their kids are educated. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, I'm a parent of four. I'm a former foster parent. I'm an adoptive father. I I know firsthand how important it is to protect kids and to make sure they are brought up the right way. And so uh, I, I, you know, I I have a right to a voice in that process as as a parent. And I I think the, the parents across the state of Missouri agree with that sentiment. Can you bottom line before we let you go? I know there's a bunch of states. Uh, you have put Missouri into this too regarding a case regarding new federal regulations on pistols with stabilizing braces. Can you kind of bottom line that for us for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. Look, President Biden, this is nothing short of an unconstitutional federal mandate. Uh, President Biden is doing what the Constitution does not allow him to do, and he's trying to do it unilaterally 
through a rulemaking process. It's an arbitrary and capricious rule that would overnight render some Missouri gun owners as federal criminals. And we're not going to stand for it. The Second Amendment is the most important one because that's the amendment that, that makes the others possible. I'm a gun guy. I always have been. And I'm always going to stand up and fight for the Second Amendment. I tell you, you know, when I was served in the military, I took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. I was willing to put my life on the line to do it. Took that fight to the battlefield in the war on terror. And I'm proud to be leading that fight now in the courtroom. Attorney General Andrew Bailey, if there's anything that we can do for you and the good citizens of Missouri in the future, you please let us know. And I do. I want to make sure I give uh, one of your assistants. Again, we, we, we covered this yesterday with Jay Ashcroft, but we talk about whenever people, uh, whether it's our attorney general or the secretary of state coming on the show, the people behind the scenes that make all of this possible. I want to give some kudos to one of your staff members, uh, Madeline, who makes this possible. And yes. she's good. Last, she's good. Uh, she's she's good with transparency and communications incidentally mr bailey thanks for your time on the show hey thank you all have a great day coming up what's hot with hannah what's smoking today hannah this is wake up mid-missouri with brandon rathard i'll let you have it it's 725 wow you got it by 10 seconds i'll i won't drag it out this time uh what's hot with hannah today what do you have for us we're talking about ketchup (laughs) there was a guy in december from the country of columbia and he was working on his sailboat when he basically got disconnected from the dock he was tied to and got thrown out to sea. And he was stuck at sea for almost a month. It was 24 days. And all he had to eat on his little boat was ketchup packets, garlic powder seasoning, and these like other chicken bouillon cubes almost. They were seasoning cubes, right? And he got rescued by the Navy after 24 days. And they told, or they reported in December that he was a little skinny, but otherwise he was in decently good health. And he got taken back to his home country. Well, now the company, Heinz, the ketchup company, is trying to find this dude. (laughs) And they've started an internet campaign and they have a hashtag and everything. It's help us hashtag find the ketchup boat guy. (laughs) Because this guy had to abandon his boat when he was rescued by the Navy. And they're trying to find him to buy him a new boat since he, you know, lived off of ketchup for 24 days. The ketchup boat guy. Do you want to ever be known as (laughs) that guy at work, John? You know, people are known for something. The ketchup boat guy. Not like some of our coworkers with the 27 packs of Splenda that go in their coffee. So, yeah, why not? (laughs) It makes sense though, because like ketchup, I didn't know this till I started paying attention, but it's just like straight sugar, right? It's like horrible for you. And I think like those seasoning, the the chicken cubes Bullion, yeah. are are like straight salt, and so those are like two of things that you you know you can't get low. Wasn't like, there a glycemic. story back during the Reagan administration where they declared ketchup as a vegetable in the school lunch program? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Which is funny because technically it's a fruit, right? There you go. Whatever. And we've already, we've always, like, my daughter, I have one of my daughters is obsessed with ketchup and will do just, like, the spoonfuls of ketchup, right? Uh, and that's what I imagine this guy on the boat just, like, squirting those ketchup packs. Ugh. See, I like ketchup, but I do too. too much ketchup gets sour fast. Ketchup shots. Ugh. 
when I was, I had a friend in Idaho, and he was he was in the army. I uh, did twenty two years in the army, three deployments to Iraq, and he didn't have a lot of, or he was very uh, very smart with his money. So we would go skiing, and instead of sitting down in you know ski lodge, that's an expensive place to eat. Oh yeah, is what this dude would do, Sergeant Mike Miller. He would take packets of uh, of ketchup and hot water from the coffee maker, and he would pour the ketchup no. yes into mm. the hot water. And he said, "It's tomato soup." Gross. No, it, it's, it's not. No, certainly not. I think the moral of the story, though, is I told it was you in the field too long. <laughs> <laughs> I told you last week that I like never go anywhere without a purse full of snacks. But like, particularly if you're going out on a boat, you know, maybe you should have like a. You know, just like a kit in case something happens that would include like a granola bar or something beyond. He wasn't ketchup. he wasn't planning to go out that day though. He I, was he's working on his boat and he got sucked out. This is Wake Up Mid Missouri with Brandon Rathert. And recreation and transportation. That's Sydney Olson, spokesperson for the city of Columbia on ABC seventeen recently. They're talking more specifically when it comes to recreational weed about the, the tax what do we do with the uh the, the tax money. I have been more curious now that it's been here for not quite, it's just been a, f- a few weeks, worried about like real life ramifications for folks out in public. Want to bring the Jefferson City Police Chief Eric Willie into the show here on Wake Up Mid Missouri. There's an interesting story in the Jefferson City News Tribune uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, Chief, uh, kind of my initial takeaway on this, uh, and, and you said a lot of things, and I thought the News Tribune did a good job, but it was kind of like, hey, uh, you know, the, the weed, that's fine. Um, but know the law. And kind of what I took away was, and before you ingest the stuff, make sure you know what you're doing. Am I off, off base on my assessment of that article in the News Tribune? You are spot on. Okay. Um, <laughs> as we go into this new era known as recreational marijuana, um, I just want people to be informed. I really do. And and understand the local ordinances and understand that our local ordinances here in Jeff City might differ from the ones in Columbia or Fulton or, or Moberly or Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, these, these ordinances that are enacted by city councils could be markedly different based upon what communities expect. So right now is the time to start reading and there's plenty of, uh, of do- documentation out there, plenty of product to look into. All right. Our guest, Jefferson City Police Chief Eric Wilde on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, Brandon Rathard, Stephanie Bell, Brian Houseworth, John Mark. Uh, producer Hannah and I want to, because obviously one of the parts of this is, uh, hey, uh, don't get high and drive. Is there? Now I've heard stories about I don't know, like nasal swabs or cheek swabs. If somebody uh, thinks that you're driving under the influence, is there a hard scientific method to check when people have been driving under the influence of marijuana right now? I have not seen any yet uh, come across my desk, but. What we've always done in the past is we do have standardized field sobriety tests that we use for alcohol, and those really just determine impairment. Uh, They don't decide the level of your intoxication, but it does show that you're impaired, that you can't do basic skills tests roadside and and be safe enough to drive a car. Um, We've had that on the books for forever, basically. We have driving while drugged ordinances right now. Um, It's not that they're easy cases to prove, but we do have those ordinances. And we also have drug recognition experts that are trained to specifically uh, detect, you know, the impact that drugs have on your on your person and your ability to operate a vehicle. So we've got tools for that. But as far as, um, you know, related to like alcohol, 
Is there a test that shows that you're above the .08 limit for marijuana? I haven't seen it yet. Chief Wildey, we appreciate you joining us live uh, here in studio this morning. Bring up a very good point about Columbia's ordinance may differ from Fulton's. Jefferson City's may differ from Columbia's, for instance. Then you have the state law is state rules as well, I guess would be the proper term. If someone wanted to light up a joint and walk down, let's just say smoke weed on the Capitol lawn, right? now would that be allowed and in that's something we're gonna have to figure out and get used to i guess on terms of of how they can do it can they do it on the lawn and what about walking over to the uh, to the post office for instance and smoking weed uh the answer to that is no um but i would compare that to alcohol you can't sit out on the the capitol lawn right now and drink a beer and neither can you smoke a joint um you know, ultimately, it comes to to use in public. You can't use it in public. Uh, you can't use it while driving a vehicle. You can't use it while uh, being a, a occupant of a vehicle, according to our ordinances. Um, it's it's really it's a lot more restrictive, I think, than what people anticipated when the Constitution, uh, the amendment was passed. So that's why I really do urge people to to dig into this because I'm I've I've got my notes in studio right now and I'm looking at about 11 pages worth of ordinances related to the sale use distribution uh the destruction how to properly uh get rid of it if you're if you're done with it so um, there's a lot to lot to uh, consume here. Well, we can sit here and go over all 11 pages, but when the Nolan Show comes on at 9 o'clock, he might be a little up, uh, little upset, Chief. Chief yeah, Eric Wilderly, Jefferson City, uh, Chief of Police, Jefferson City, talking about uh, recreational weed as it relates to some of the, the, the laws and the real-life uh, uh, implementations of those laws. Chief, what about underage possession and those kinds of things? And I think for, you know, if you're a teenager, you just say, hey, it's legal now, so it's not quite like, you know, like it was before, but underage is underage, right? Yeah, again, uh, a good start comparison to alcohol. It's 21 years of age. Um, you can't drink beer or alcohol until you're 21. You can't smoke or possess marijuana until you're 21 legally. The topic of an ordinance came up at the Ashland Alderman meeting last night, and I think they said the draft ordinance we were looking at was 30 pages. So I think you're getting off easy with only 11. Um, But part of what they were talking about was potentially, you know, should we have additional ordinances criminalizing, you know, the smell of weed, this this whole smoking it outside. And and my feedback was, are you know, are we really going to use our resources to go ticket these people? We had the same conversation about texting while driving. How many tickets are you issuing to folks who are texting while driving? Like, when does that come up? Oh, goodness. The texting while driving debate. I, I (laughs) honestly, I don't have the numbers on that. Uh, we're much more prone to pull somebody over and just say, hey, please put your phone down and, and drive safely. But um, Wouldn't the same be true if you smelled marijuana and someone was, you know, standing on the corner and you said that? Might well, not be a is, cigarette. It is honestly about resources. And in Jefferson City, we're handling the smell, the odor, as more of a nuisance uh, approach. And we get, we get these, and we've gotten these complaints for years that my neighbor in the apartment next door is uh, smoking marijuana and it's emanating into my into my apartment. Well, in this uh, in our ordinances, that'll be handled as a nuisance. Uh, lots of uh, warnings, I suppose, because you really don't want to infringe on somebody else's rights to peace in their own apartment or in public. And and that's that's really where I see that we're going to probably get a lot more a uh, lot more work in the upcoming months. That as it becomes more prevalent, the people that don't want to be around uh, marijuana smoke are going to be calling us. 
complaining about it. So our approach is going to be patient. It's going to be educational. It's going to be try to gain compliance. But you're right. We, we can't spend a lot of time and jam up our courts with more cases for um, our marijuana smoke, uh, you know, type issues. Let me ask you, Chief, have, since it went legal a couple of weeks ago, do you know as a whole, have you guys, your police department, have you had some, some issues or some calls or things like that? We have not, you know, um, not that I've heard of. It's, it's um, you know, let's, let's just be honest. Marijuana has been around for a long time, and I think the people that were smoking it illegally are now just going to continue to smoke it in a legal manner. Uh, it was sort of underground anyway, but um, we've always, I, I don't see the, the, um, the pace of our operations picking up much because of the legalization of it. I could be wrong, but um, Jefferson City is just kind of a different place and, and pretty conservative, so I, I think it'll be relatively quiet for us. Jefferson City Police Chief Eric Wilde on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Chief, talk to us about, we've heard the stories from other states and Missouri when it was just at the medical level and now the recreational level about the huge amounts of cash involved and all. Is there a challenge there, I guess, for these people who own the dispensaries having to call you guys to maybe get an an escort over to make a big deposit? Well, we've not seen that request yet, but that's an interesting question. And not being in the the banking industry, I don't know how they're going to handle that. Honestly, there's got to be a lot of logistics there. I will say this is, uh, you know, I went to police staff and command college up in Northwestern University, uh, just at Evanston, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. And a lot of those, um, the the students in my class were moonlighting as as transportation officers, security officers for those uh, uh, for the um, you know the commercial marijuana growers, not just for the transport of money, but also for the security of the facilities in which they were growing it and storing it. Um, so you know there there might new, be a new budding industry for no the security. Intended. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, coming to a, a community near you for security and or transport of that stuff. On Fridays, Chief, we do winners and losers of the week. We do it every Friday on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, and we award points. I'm going to award you some points for uh, for that one. Of course, right on. yeah, you, you, you get a few points there. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else that you would like to add before we let you go? Uh, again, just uh, I don't see a lot of changes, but this is everybody's opportunity now to really dig in and, mm-hmm. and look at the ordinances. Yeah. We are not wanting to, to uh, be caught in the middle of an argument about um, smoking marijuana yeah. in public. Uh, you know, it, it's, we, we, we are a busy agency, and, and please, I'm just asking people to be patient, be thoughtful of others, be safe. Don't get behind the wheel of a car even. You know, I would say that with alcohol. I would say that with marijuana. I would say that with Benadryl. I would say that with any anything you put into your body that uh, that would alter your mind state and not make you drive a car safely. So I'm just asking people to go about this peacefully and, and thoughtfully and, uh, you know, enjoy the fruits that the, the voters have given you. And uh, if not... I think it's a vegetable, actually, isn't it? Smoke them. (laughs) By the way, and, you know, to that point about marijuana use in public, Stephanie Bell and I, we were honored to once again be able to emcee the homecoming parade from Zoo, one of the first, largest, best parades in the entire country, homecoming parades in the entire country. Throughout the whole parade, what do we smell? 
Marijuana. I think, Weed. I mean, that's a business idea, mimosas and marijuana, because it was early in the morning for it, but uh, it was there. Chief Eric Wilde, Jefferson City Police Department. If you get a chance today, and if it's okay, if you are not going to get in trouble, if you get onto the radio and if you could do like an all call to everybody on the police department, say, hey, man, uh, Stephanie Bell and Brandon Rather and John Marsh, producer Hannah uh, and Brian Howlsworth, wake up mid Missouri on 93.9, the Eagle on 104.5, News Radio 950 KWOS. They just wanted you guys to know that they appreciate what you do. Are you able to get on the radio and do that? I sure can, and I appreciate the thoughtfulness. Uh, that's just another fine example of what it's like here in central Missouri in Jeff City. Amen. Thank you. Coming up a few minutes from now, big event happening. A couple of big events that uh, that are happening as we get ready for our 17th. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, Wake Up Mid-Missouri on YouTube. You can also watch on Facebook. You see some bewildered faces this morning. I have a guess. Okay. Is that pickleball? <gasps> Dude, ah. good work. Uh, that ruined the next three minutes of the show because now oh, I've got nothing. Darn no. it. Well, and, and I bring it up, and, and I love it because producer Hannah, she, her face lights up anytime we talk about pickleball. Does it? Does yeah. it really? It's like the fastest growing sport in America. Tom Brady's bought a team. That's how he consoled him uh, himself whenever him and his <laughs> wife decided to get him. What are you going to do? I went and got drunk for a month. Tom Brady, he bought a pickleball team. That's right. Uh, the reason I bring it up, because apparently there's a growing number of, I guess not lawsuits, but controversy across the country. People that live next to pickleball courts are saying, hey, it's awfully noisy. <laughs> it's a nuisance, like the smell of marijuana. Are the pickleball players smoking marijuana and playing pickleball? How fun might that be? Do you play it out? So I have to admit, I've never actually seen Endless anyone love. anyone play. Do you play inside and outside? Is it both? I think you can go both ways on that. It's and it's like, it's almost like giant. From what I've seen, it's like giant ping pong paddles, and you're standing on the table. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, and I've seen the courts, and it kind of looks like tennis, only they're much yeah. smaller. So, like, yeah, ping pong. Kind of doubles tennis is kind of what it's kind of like. And I know uh, people love it. There was a young man we talked to about two years ago, and he was a local kid. He was, I don't know. He was like 18 or 19 years old, and he was like one of the top 10 pickle play, uh, pickleball players on the <laughs> planet. Pickleball <laughs> player on the planet. And <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> a lot of peas there. Yeah. Uh, and we're asking, like, he's one of the top. Dylan Frazier. He's from Ashland. Yes, in the whole world, and we're just fascinating. You know, this is kind of cool. Tell us about pickleball. And we said, how long you been playing? He says, oh, about five weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> five weeks, and he was one of the best in the world. I might be exaggerating a little bit there. Uh, I have a tendency to do that. Welcome to the show, Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Stephanie Bell, John Marsh, producer Hannah Bryan, Housworth, I am Brendan Rather. A couple big events coming up this weekend. One of them is the annual Root Toot and Chili Cook-Off, benefiting the Boys and Girls Club. I want to bring in Carrie Bloss, who's done this for a lot of years does incredible work it's a great event uh but gary first can you give us like a, a success story from the boys and girls club yeah we have a lot of great success stories you know we hear we meet people alumni such as yourself every day in town that tell us about their time as a club but we have a local gentleman his name is miles so if he's listening hi miles he started coming to the club as a kid you know grew up coming to the club then he started working at the club once he graduated high school we saw him graduate high school he worked through college at the club and we saw him graduate college and then he got a job at vu and has, has had several great jobs there and promotions and just really really doing well we had him come speak 
um, in 2021 at our Hoops for a Cause event. Carrie Bloss is hanging out with us this morning here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Uh, they do incredible work. They're meaningful, impactful work, and they have right here in Mid-Missouri for a long time. There's a way you can help, and really, you know, it's 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 a good time. The annual chili cook-off is uh, coming up this weekend. Tell us about that. Absolutely. The, this is going to say this mouthful now. The 17th annual MFA Oil Rootin' Tootin' Chili Cook-Off presented by JES Holdings. MFA Oil and JES Holdings have been longtime supporters of this. We could not do it without them and all of our other amazing sponsors. But 17 years. This is a long, long-time event. It started as like a bragging rights, guys, my chili's better than your chili thing. And now has risen to having, you know, 30 to 40 teams and raising over $100,000 for the local Boys and Girls Club. And it's our most um, public-facing event. It's very family-friendly because all of these teams... We have 33 this year. They're going to make all kinds of chilies. We have no idea what kind. And then their booths are going to be insane. We, have, we do not say, here's what kind of chili you have to make. Here's what your booth needs to look like. It is up to their own creativity. And these people get creative. Um, we have some great bands. So Grindstone Band and the Justin Conrad Band come on out. They take um, their time to donate to us and in, uh, really entertain everybody that's there. We sell some beverages. Um, and it's just a good time. Everybody wants to interact with all of the teams. So all the teams there not only are competing for the best chili, but they're also competing for the best booth, the best showmanship, the best costume, um, rookie of the year. So we have six or seven brand new teams this year. So they'll all compete on their own category to be rookie of the year. And we challenge them all to raise money for the club throughout their time prior to the event and then during the event. 